Hey everyone, this is another episode of The Working Experience. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? Man, HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. To stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. clipping his Sexual toenails at his desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I Hey guys, how you doing? This is The Working Experience, and I'm here once again with Pat Quinn. What's going on, everyone? How are you, buddy? Uh, Pat was at Home Depot doing something, buying stuff. What were you buying? <laughs> I was buying air filters, which is just like a tremendous way to spend my Sunday. Yeah. I was just like going through my house recently and being like, holy cow, I don't know when these things were last changed. Like, I'm not sure if any air was going through those things, so... Yeah, I had to do that fun house stuff today. Oh, I forgot to mention, because you live in Austin now, have you been to the, I don't know if we touched on this last time, the Bat Bridge? That I, I went down there, I, I've been down there a bunch of times, but not like when they actually come out. And when my brother helped me move here, he's like, let's go down and see him. And I was like, yeah, totally. And we got down there like 15 minutes after sunset. And we totally, <laughs> like we saw like a ton of bats but they weren't coming out from under the bridge. Um, the first time I was ever in Austin, I didn't know about the Bat Bridge, so I went running. There's a trail that right along the water there. And you yeah. can run, run one way and then go across a bridge and run the other way. Right, yeah, I've been so down I there, yeah. I stopped underneath that bridge, and I was like huffing and puffing underneath this thing and wondering why the air was so foul there. I was like, oh my God, this is so gross. Like, I'm going to puke. And then I find out later that it's... Uh, Millions of back pounds of back guano is what I'm really breathing in. Or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind. Of, it, it's I didn't know anything about it, and from the hotel, I could see that bridge, and I'm like, why are there's like a thousand people on that bridge, you know? And then the next night, and then the next night, I'm like, what the hell is everybody watching? Like, what is going on around here? <laughs> like, is this some Austin thing? And yes, it is some Austin thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I, gonna take my kids down to see it but now it's winter time so they're not there anymore or not quite in the numbers that they are in the summer yeah but apparently when they they built the bridge and the way it was constructed it was like the perfect spot for bats to crawl up into these cracks and hide and whatever um and people freaked out they wanted to like exterminate them and all these conservationists were like no this is so good for the area because they go out and eat like i don't know like three hundred thousand pounds of bugs a night or something like that that number is probably wildly off base, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's that one, and then there's one, I live in North Austin, and there's another bridge close by that has, does the same thing, So I, but I haven't seen either. Wow. Because, wow. you know, TV is usually on at that point. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so we were talking a little bit um, before we actually started recording about kind of how, because I, I mean... I didn't realize you were saying like advertising doesn't work the way it does now um, online, the way it did like 10 years ago. And you were talking about how you guys have been sort of exploring different avenues of revenue. And the reason it came up is because when I, I saw your feed on my 
Facebook page, I noticed a Priceline ad, and I was like, wow, Priceline's a heavy hitter. Like, that's a big, big account. And yeah, we found that the, the only way that Life of Dad has, are the only revenue we've ever made from this, from our site is has basically been off of uh, campaigns, brand campaigns that we work with. Um, so a company hires us, and we'll kind of hire underneath us a bunch of different influencers in the dad blogging world, so all across the country. So we've done ones recently with um, Pizza Hut, with Canon, with Disney, um, things like that. So we've had one, a big one with Canon printers, um, where we had all these guys pretend like uh, the Canon printer is part of their family. Um, but And that's been doing well for us. Like We've been able to kind of make our business based only off of that. But it's really like feast or famine sometimes. It seems like we'll have 10 campaigns running at once, and then we might go two or three months without any campaigns. And then, you know, it goes back on. So we were thinking about, we've been trying to think about, like, how do we bring in more revenue? And we have Life of Dad, which does, we have pretty good numbers on the site, but we've never done advertising on it. So the I think the thought was that if we advertise on there, it's just going to be, you know, flashing, dancing babies, selling crap that nobody wants, yeah. and like just really obtrusive stuff on the site. Yeah. Um, but it turns out it's not that, that's not that way now. There's usually like companies that will do it. And so let's say you're on Life of Dad and I'm on Life of Dad at the same time. We're going to be seeing totally different ads in the same exact spot because it's all based on like your internet searching and my internet searching. Oh. So you might see ads for, um, I don't know, if you were looking for hats, cause, just because there's a hat on my desk. You might see ads for different kinds of hats, whereas I would see ads for watches, because I had looked up watches or mentioned watches on a phone call, and the NSA kind of passed that information along. Right. So, yeah, so that's what we're, we're trying to get into now, trying to get that going on the site. Well, what I would be seeing ads for based on my search history would be like, Shemale Brazilian prostitutes. You know, I'd see like all trannyparty.com. I'd probably see ads geared in that way. You know, just, uh, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I love saying things like that and then saying to people, you know what I'm saying. And they're like, no, I, I didn't know. I actually, I have no idea what. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> so now, does Canon come to you, or do you go to Canon, or? We've, uh, we've kind of done both ways. For a long time, we were kind of chasing after companies and, like, kind of going to them and saying, hey, here's what we can do. Mm -hmm. um, here's the kind of work we've done in the past. But um, over the past year or so, I'd say companies have been coming to us more. And it's generally not just the companies. Like, usually it's a PR firm. So we work with somebody like, um, like Ketchum PR. Ketchup is humongous, and they represent like a gazillion different brands, mm -hmm. um, and they have offices all over the United States. So they'll be like, "Hey, you know, we're working on this campaign with them, but also we have this other thing going on." And in like a month, or would you guys be able to help us out with that? And so it's kind of been coming to us that way, sort of steadily, which is really nice. But at the same time, we do go after after brands, um, and so generally after brands that wouldn't even look to us and like. You know, they wouldn't think of us first. Like, uh, right. most people think we'd only be working with, like, you know, brands that have to do with, like, family stuff or, right. you know, little kid stuff. But uh, we've done stuff with, like, Frank's Coffee Body Scrub. And we've done things with Starbucks, lots of food companies. Um, 
It's just about anybody, really. So we now... Totally sell out for anybody. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, you know, Absolutely. You to, totally. I hear you. Now, are they asking you to come up with, like, ideas? Like, hey, come up with a funny video for us? Yeah, a lot of times that's how we operate. Or maybe they'll come to us with an idea, and they'll say, hey, this is, like, this is what we think will work best. But, unfortunately, a lot of the times we're, you know, it's we're dealing with somebody in a PR or a marketing company, and it'll be, like, a 26-year-old single guy or girl who doesn't really understand the, you know, the audience of the people who we work with. Right. So we'll generally be like, 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 yeah, that's, that's a good idea. We like what you're kind of trying to do, but here's why it wouldn't work. And then we usually come back to them with ideas that will work, that we know will work better huh. um, with our audiences and try to make it a little more like legitimate and a little more, you know, seemingly organic. Like that's what we try. Yeah. For, but yeah, you know, Sometimes they don't, they don't want that. They're just like, nah, this is what we want to do. And we're like, all right, sure, we'll just do that then. Um, but yeah, we generally try to come up with the ideas for them. So then you guys yeah. will hire a crew or whatever to go out and shoot this stuff? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of it's just done on cell phones. So we right. hire us, and then we'll make our videos on our cell phones. And then what we are essentially doing is like subcontracting to all these different influencers. And we'll say, hey, here's what you should be doing. Um, this is this this is the idea. Like generally, we tr we try to give them like a, a really broad um, idea without being too specific, so that everybody can have their own take on each mm -hmm. like each campaign. So we won't say like, "Hey, do this, 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 and that," but, but instead we'll say like with the canon one, it's like, "Pretend the canon's a new member of the family. Do whatever you want with that." So like my video was my son Maxton pushing him around on like uh down with a stroller my max is only a year and a half and so my whole my take on it was that you know he's going to be a good big brother to this new canon printer other guys were just straight up like putting it to bed and like singing it musical like singing it to sleep and all this stuff so you know so everybody has their own unique take on it um and but still kind of staying within that message parameter that it's a new family member so what what's an influencer? An influencer is the fancier way to say blogger. <laughs> oh, okay. But, but it's not just bloggers. It's uh, anybody with in, with influence on the internet. So I mean, you guys would be considered influencers in with podcasting, you know. Um, then there's people who are just Instagram influencers. So people who do really good photography. Um, anybody really who huh. has a following. You can say you're an influencer and then be able to charge more. It's just like when you're working with marketing people and you, somebody says blogger, it almost seems like you're like, oh man, you're just you're new to this, huh? Because if you say influencer, you just sound more legitimate, I guess. Huh. But yeah, it's bloggers, people on Instagram, people so, with followings. That's about it. So you basically tell them like, listen, shoot these videos with Canon and do it this way, and we're gonna pay you X amount of dollars to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of our business model. Is that, huh. and then, um, yeah, and a lot of times they, the the brands are awesome. They're just like, all right, cool. But sometimes we get brands that are like they really scrutinize and they go back and like there have been guys who have to do like videos three, four, five times because they didn't, you know, follow certain rules or whatever. Or we'll have to kind of speak to some guys like we've worked with a bunch of times, and we'll be like, 
come on, man, you totally phoned it in on this one. <laughs> right, to, right. You need to do a little bit of work on it. Um, <laughs> and, but we all do that. I've done it a bunch of times where I'm like, ah, I forgot about that. So yeah. just do it as quickly or whatever as I could. Yeah, I know uh, my my the the other guy I do this with John Brancaccio. He has a a friend who does some work for us, like posting stuff on the the website that has not been activated yet. Uh, and she was like traveling for two years all around the world. She was in Australia. She was in Nepal. She was here there, and she was posting a lot of stuff on Instagram and on Facebook. So. It seemed like it seems like she's back now. She's like trying to build that brand as like this kind of travel logger, if you will. Right. So then I, I tell people whenever I hear whenever somebody wants to get into it, I tell people they should start writing about cars because I've gone out to a few events for car companies, and they are so freaking awesome. Like I did one for I did a couple with Kia and one with Lexus. Um, and basically, they just want it'll be like a new car um, release. So, for like, let's be the Lexus one. They flew me up to Portland, put me up in like an awesome hotel right in downtown Portland. Um, there was like a big party that night for all the people who came. It's all all car writers, and then me. And I'm like, I'm so so out of place. I don't know anything about cars. But they wanted me to kind of write a review about the car, about the, or you know about the new thing. So you go in and you learn about the car. Then the next day, you drive the car all day. They partner you up, you up with somebody else that's there, and you drive all around. They have this like scenic route mapped out. Drive all around all day. Then you stop for a lunch at some nice fancy restaurant. Oh, I did one in Aspen also. So we drove from Aspen to I don't know Vail or whatever some other some other Colorado city. Wow. You have this like awesome dinner lunch there. Then we went home back to back to wherever we started from and then it would be like a dinner and party and all the drinks and everything included and it's so awesome it's just like so like you can go there with absolutely no wallet or anything and have like time of your life and it's so great so every time somebody wants to get into writing something i'm like write about cars those guys have all the money and you can just keep going to these events like once you establish yourself people are invited all over i, I became friends with this one girl jacqueline Trop. And she writes for, oh, who the heck, Car and Driver, I think? Uh -huh. And all, she writes for all these things. She's like in her, like she's around 30 years old. She's beautiful. And now she, and she's a really good writer. So the car companies love having her do their stuff because she goes out and takes awesome pictures with the cars. But now she's doing stuff like every day. She's in United, United Arab Emirates. She's in Italy doing Lamborghini. She's in like Germany doing uh, Rolls Royce or whatever. I, I, I'm making that up because I don't know where Rolls Royce is made. Is that England? But Probably, wherever. yeah. But she does all these high-end cars, and I don't even know if she's been home in months. It just seems like by her Facebook profile, she's just all over the place. And I'm like, that's the industry you should get into about writing for, just because you get to do these things, and they are awesome. Yeah, I'd like to get her on the podcast. That sounds pretty fascinating. Yeah, she's uh, she's got like just an it just seems like I mean it must be exhausting on her part, but from the Facebook perspective, it looks like she's having a great time with it. And you know, if you have the opportunity to just keep traveling like that, like why wouldn't you do it? So oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah I'm gonna have to try to work that angle. That sounds good. Seriously, <laughs> you start getting invited to those. They're so great. I did another one in with uh, Kia down in San Diego, and it was they had us at the Hard Rock Hotel, and then they had a live band karaoke. 
for the night, and everybody's just partying and singing with the band and stuff. It was so freaking rad. Wow. Yeah. So it was so much fun. You know, that kind of reminds me of, uh, I was writing down a bunch of stuff, like, about busyness and that kind of thing and slacking off at work. And I just happened to see this little, like, blurb on the side of, like, Fortune Magazine's page about a six-year-old earning $11 million a year on YouTube. And I saw that, too. Yeah, well, I never know how much... Usually there's some caveat or the story is just flat-out not true but it occurred to me like because i was waiting through all this stuff about all these lists five things you must quit doing to be successful five ways to be a more likable employee uh what's this other one here 10 things never to say about yourself uh questions never to things never to say in a job interview and all these people worried about you know getting a job keeping a job making money and then that thing pops up about a six-year-old <laughs> making 11 million dollars doing like whatever I, I don't know i didn't really delve right what'd you say was he reviewing toys or i didn't read the article but i think it's sort of probably the same article I didn't either. I just saw the little blurb there and I thought that must like drive people. Well, it, I think it drives people nuts in a way, but then it also like, they think like they're just one YouTube video away from being that kid. Right. Exactly. You know, they just have to like brand themselves. There was a kid I taught like two years ago, three years ago. He was in the eighth grade at the time. And, uh, his, his grade in my class was about a 17, and um, th this had been his M.O. You know, nobody really knew what to do with this kid or whatever. So, finally, I was kind of frustrated with him. I'm like, you know, man, you're going to be in high school next year. You're going to have to kind of figure out what you're going to do. Like, I mean, what what's the plan? And he goes, I'm going to drop out of school and become a YouTube star. And I was, yeah. Well, I said this to, I said this to another teacher who had him. And had him the year before. And he goes, you know what? At least that's a plan. Like, at least he's got a plan in place. As ridiculous as it is. Like, if you'd ask him the same... Yeah, it's some some sort of plan. Uh, I had students back when I was teaching in East New York who would drop out and with zero plans. So good, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. How long did you do that? I was a teacher for, in East New York for about uh, seven or eight years. Wow. Maybe something like that. And you just decided to call it quits? Yeah, well, my, we moved to Hawaii. And I wasn't, and then in Hawaii, they would have paid me like 20 grand less for the same job. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to wait tables at a hotel instead. Right. <laughs> <That's what I laughs> and not have to correct papers. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you were teaching in East New York? Yep, in Brooklyn. That must yeah. have been uh, a little little on the wild side. <laughs> I love it. Whenever I tell somebody that, and if they don't know East New York, they're always like, oh, okay, great. But yeah. they know what East New York is like, they're always like, oh. Wow. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. if you're listening and you don't know East New York, East New York is one of the worst areas in all of New York City. And it, I had um, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade special ed science for science and English. Oh, my God. So, that is... Yeah, my kids were bonkers, but they were pretty funny, though. Yeah, like East New York and Brownsville. I used to live in Prospect Heights. 
and which is not far. It's maybe a 15-minute walk. But yeah. Brownsville and East New York, definitely, they're always vying for worst neighborhood <laughs> in all of New York. And that's taking the South Bronx into account as well. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they're all kind of neck and neck. I, I think teaching anywhere in New York City, I mean, I taught in a Catholic school, so it was a little more controlled. But, uh, yeah, anywhere is pretty, a little gnarly. My sister taught at a Catholic school. She taught at Kellenberg out in Long Island. And we'd like sometimes be at my mom's house for dinner and she'd be like, ah, my students were so bad today. One of them had a noisemaker. And, <laughs> and I would just be like, I got punched in the face today three times. So, yeah, that noisemaker must have really sucked. <laughs> and that was two less than yesterday. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I teach out in the suburbs now and it's like, you know, what they consider, like, he's being very defiant. He didn't bring his homework in. I'm like, yeah, I can roll with that. And I'm, <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> like, you know, like, most of the kids here who are a problem are just, like, apathetic. Like, they just, yeah. you know, they're on their phones all day and they don't really care yeah. about. And meanwhile, my students in East New York, I literally taught two students who turned out to be murderers. Oh, my so God. There was that. <laughs> yeah. That in the background. Well, that, that kind of leads me into... Uh, I, I found this list of 10 things never to say about yourself. So I'll, the first one is... I'm a results-oriented professional. Like, I, I really couldn't even come up with that. I don't, I don't know how they... Yeah, and then the funny quote here is... I got into healthcare... Apparently, this is what someone would say. I got into healthcare marketing through an internship in a hospital PR department. Since then, I've been helping healthcare brands raise their visibility and connect with consumer and business audiences online and via traditional media. Like, oh my God. I, I can't believe people come up with that. that is, it's just like you basically are just admitting that you just bullshit. Yes. That's what that all sounds like. Yeah. Uh, number two was never say I'm a hard worker. <laughs> I I would never say that. I would I would never. I would never. <laughs> Listen, I'd be like, I don't want to mislead. Yeah, I don't want to mislead you here or anything. I'm really not the most dynamic person you're gonna hire. You know, I tend to I tend to space out <laughs> quite a bit. And uh, one I thought was good. It was I'm an editor, writer, producer, web designer, sort of like. I don't really have an actual profession. I, I, I could sort of do it all. Um, that's, that's that's kind of like my thing. Like whenever <laughs> I, do, I try to explain it, and I'm like, to me, I, I and now I'm just like, yeah, I don't even know. Like I do a lot of a lot of stuff all at the same time. So well, I'm not sure I would agree. My, that's actually my wife's always asked me, like, like what do I write as your profession on for the kids? Like, you know. Their, their forms for school, and I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, oh, just write, you know, business owner or something like that. Yeah. That's fine. Well, uh, you know, in this day and age, it does kind of seem like people wear all those hats, especially if you're, yeah. like, you know, doing what you do, obviously, because you do have to produce and write and edit and do all that stuff. Exactly, and we're a small company, and, you know, then we work with marketers, so we do all this marketing stuff, so... Generally now, I think the easiest way to, to get out of it, I just like, I do marketing and people are like, oh, okay. It just seems to be some kind of like magical umbrella that just like 
clears the question away from me, so I'll have to keep talking about it. Yeah. These next three, I say all the time. Uh, I'm a leader in my field. I always say that. <laughs> I am nationally recognized and world-renowned. I always say that. Well, you should be, yeah. obviously. Uh, I'm creative, and then I just fall into a dead silence. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Really creative. Uh, I love this next one. I'm a guru, a maven, an expert in my field. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> so. I read something saying that the other, about that recently, where it's like, never say that you're a guru at something. And I'm like, God, is, that, is this really a problem? People say this? Uh, probably, yeah. Uh, there's probably a a lot of great um, online resumes you could find out there that say these things because I, I think these people probably like go online and they sort of call together just pat phrases to say that yeah. don't mean anything in particular. Yeah. Like the next one is I'm a change agent. Like who even said? I've never even heard of that. I have no idea what that means. I mean, I'm gonna use that all the time now. Yeah, I'm a change. I'm a change agent. I what? To me, that literally sounds like you make change. Like I can break your five dollar bill, or I can, I can handle a dollar. I can, you know, whatever combination you'd like: dimes, nickels, quarters. A friend of mine, she does a lot of like talks at um different conferences and stuff, and so she's like, yeah, I've done, I've been a keynote speaker at a few of them, and I'm like. You should just say you're the, you're a keynote speaker at all of them. I was like, just literally go to the conference and speak the word keynote, and then you can legitimately claim that you are a keynote speaker. Expl at yeah. Conference. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I did. I spoke, I, it. I spoke it. Yeah, and I even recorded it on my phone. So <laughs> exactly. Here it is. This last one, I really. Have seen it. Absolutely. Citigroup, yes. I was there. Uh, Chase Manhattan Bank, keynote speaker. <laughs> I like this one. I'm a disruptor. Like, people... It's just... I, well, does that mean, like, uh, you know, I could say, like, I shove all my colleagues' stuff off their desk, or <laughs> I, pe I peed in the coffee pot. You know, I, I just disrupt things. I, you know, that's that's how I... Everyone's chairs one weekend, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally disrupted everything. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I, that sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah, so there's this other thing here about uh, busyness at work, the age of busyness. And this guy, Tom Kreider, wrote an article called The Busy Trap, and um, it says, busyness has become a cultural badge of honor. Busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance a hedge against emptiness obviously your life cannot be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy completely booked in demand every hour of the day so apparently and, and i also learned a new term fomo which is uh, i know that fear of missing out right? yeah i never heard that before and uh you know he cites like professionals staying at their desks more than 50 hours a week and sleep waning to 6.1 hours a night smartphone use up to five hours a day apps tracking our latest assignments to the steps we've taken like fitbit like we're literally you know counting steps yeah. and um i just thought that i remember 
I think it was Catherine actually years ago was talking to somebody who worked in a PR firm and the woman told, I guess she might've been, you know, considering it. And, uh, the woman told her like, the problem is I'm done with my work at like five o'clock, but nobody leaves until seven because nobody wants to be the first one out of the office. (laughs) And like that, that would drive me absolutely insane. I mean, just like, appearing apparently it's like they they did these studies like appearing to be busy at work is actually more important than the work you produce that's ridiculous you know and like eating at your desk like i don't even have time for lunch i don't have time to grab a cup of coffee i mean i take great pride in telling people i'm i'm pretty wide open (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm i'm good so I don't know if um, that's just, it's, that just baffles me because like why why just measure it in hours that you sit there? That's just such stupidity to me. You know, just get your stuff done. Like I, I work from home, luckily, so I know like if I have a lot to do, I can crunch it all down and get it done by noon, and then have the rest of my day, you know, my day free. And I'm not out searching for more. I mean, granted, I'm not. I don't need to impress those around me. Right and pretend that I'm doing more than I am, but I just don't understand why why that would be the measurement at other places. Like just the fact that you're there and pretending to do work, or you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I I guess just I it's sort of like just being there, like just that the fact that you're there and sort of cranking out whatever it is. Um, you're supposed to be cranking out. I, I don't know. I, I mean, for to me, for a lot of people, it's actually kind of hard for them. When I ask, like, what do you do? Like, you show up at the office at 9 o'clock in the morning, and then what? And it's like checking my calendar. I send some emails. I make some phone calls. I, you know, go stand, stand around at the coffee machine. Like, I don't know. Because I work with a lot of marketing people, and like, and I do a lot of marketing work myself. And I'm like, man, I can do all this in like, like a full day's work in like three hours. Like, what do these people do when they have to go to an office? So it must be that. It must be just sitting around, dicking around, like pretending. Because do two or three phone calls in a day, and I'm done, and that's it. And there's not really much more that I would need to do on a certain project. So yeah, yeah. That's why I've always used to work in an office. There, you said there's. I mean, what is it? Uh, command, Alt, Delete, or whatever. What's the one that makes you? Oh no, Tab. Um, Control Tab or con- Command Tab to flip between things is like my best friend because I'd be always messing around on something else. Um, but there was also a game that you can play on Excel, and it was like you ride, you fly a spaceship through. It, it opens up an Excel spreadsheet for you. And then you could fly. You all you have to do is fly a spaceship through like the bar graphs and everything to try and not touch the edges. So from anyone looking from a distance, it looks like you're really working hard to really <laughs> in an Excel spreadsheet. But it's like you're really just playing a video game, and it was the best thing ever to have open. And that, and then there was another one. I wish I remember what it was called. It was like break something, and you can. It's it's basically. What's the game where you have to break all the bricks above you, and it's like the ball keeps bouncing down, and you have to move the cursor back and forth and make sure it never goes underneath? Kaboom or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It just keeps bouncing up and hitting the bricks. 
it's the same concept, only it's in a Microsoft Word document, so you got to break all the letters away. <laughs> and again, from a distance, looks like you have a lot of work going on, but you totally don't. It's just a video, it's just a video game set in an Excel or Microsoft Word um, world, and it's magical. I I love how uh, I I love how um, the industries have been created off of people slacking at their jobs. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. slacking at your job is creating work for someone else. That's a good thing. It's great. You know, <laughs> it's very symbiotic. Uh, you're, you're a disruptor. You're, uh, you're a disruptor. You're an agent. Yeah, an agent of change, a change agent. <laughs> they are an agent of change. They're just like they're basically creating jobs, is what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, all right. So my my brother is actually. I'm supposed to do a podcast with him. He was kind of cracking the whip here. So let me just. Uh, I'll end with a couple of these lists because I like them. Uh, what was this? Things not to say in a job interview. Number one was, what does your company do? And oh, I, and I, I would kind of like to say, like, sort of meandering into the, like, five minutes into the interview, just be like, what do you guys do here again? What is this? Like, uh, like <laughs> no, no idea. Uh, number two, my previous boss was a total, I mean, you could just fill in anything awesome there, spaz or asshole or, you know. Um, is it a problem if, and then they just left it open, like, I don't know, I come in at noon every day, or if I bring my cat. If my alpaca stays with me. Yeah, yeah, if I, if I have my therapeutic doll with me, um, I'm not, I'm not very good at, and I, I mean, I could just fill in the blank with anything there. There's that could just go on forever for me. Typing, computers, yeah. uh, concentration, concentration, <laughs> uh, getting along with coworkers. I think that's the biggest lie I've told on interviews is that I'm really good at concentrating and I'm good at like organization. I'm, I'm always like, oh, I'm great at organization. I fucking suck at organization. <laughs> I'm all over the place. <laughs> I'd be saying. I'm very good at organization. I got all these folders and I put tabs on them and I label them and I put them in order and it's really a passion of mine. I organize and I'm really, you know, I'm really good at it. I'm really, really good at it. Um, I'm a fast, I'm a hard worker. No, I can't say that. Uh, I'm a fast learner. No. Uh, again, I got fired from my last job, fill in the blank. <laughs> <Or that. laughs> uh, I left on bad terms. Yep. Yeah. And this, this was one of my favorites. How important is it for me to get to work exactly on time? You know, that's an odd question. Yeah. Like, well, actually a friend of mine, Nick owns he's part owner of a company here in massachusetts up in salem mass and he was talking to me about interviewing you know people for jobs and nick's my age and he said um he said he you know he just gets these people in who it's like why did you even come to this job interview like this guy shows up he's like 23 24 interviews him and he can kind of tell the guy's a bit of a dud to start with but then he said do you have any questions and the guy goes yeah, um, what time 
should we be or do we have to be here in the morning? And Nick said, <laughs> do we have to? Yeah, do we have to? And Nick goes, well, 8.30 cause we start <clears throat> taking and making calls at nine. So we gotta, you know, be, and the guy goes, yeah, um, I like to, I like to work out in the morning. So, you know, I don't like, is there flexibility on that and whatnot? And Nick's like, no, not, no. And then the, <laughs> the guy ends the interview with, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, he'll let Nick know. That's amazing. I, I would hire that guy. Just be like, ah, screw it. That guy's hilarious. <laughs> It's like I'll, I'll obviously you're gonna offer me the job. I'll let you know if. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, all right. Well, thanks a lot for doing this again, Pat. Yeah, of course. Anytime, man. I love doing these shows. It's, it's freaking fun. All right. I will uh, be in touch. All right. All right, everyone. Thanks. That was. All right, I'll talk to you later, Pat. Thanks. All right, bye bye. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. That was uh, Pat Quinn, and that was another episode of the Working Experience. Talk to you soon.